0: Hi, I am Marmy Regine, your host in Pandemic Podcast Coronavirus. Today, we are now in the fifth episode where we will discuss the most anticipated vaccine. That is why the episode title is To Vaccinate or Not to Vaccinate. There is always a dilemma that humans like us are facing every day. It is a reflection of the famous lines in literature, to be or not to be. It is a question on which path to take when you are on the crossroads of life. To be or not to be is the opening phrase by prince hamlet in act three scene one of william shakespeare's play hamlet it is all about life and death to be or not to be has a meaning about life and death to live or not to live which means to live or die hamlet discusses how painful and miserable to live a life back then and how death such as suicide, is the solution to end such misery. Oh dear. And fast forward to today, many people living in these uncertain times of the pandemic are having difficult times. Yes, that is why those who tested positive in China committed suicide. I mentioned that in passing from my previous podcast episode 2 on viral load. Isn't it r- ironic? that history repeats itself even after several centuries? Hmm. Now, moving on, this is the first part of my podcast episode on the topic of vaccines. In this episode, let us start this discussion on the historical notes that researchers did in the past until the present, which is the so-called Self-experimentation of their study, drug, or vaccine along with some of their volunteer friends. Hmm. An article regarding this matter was published entitled Self-Experimentation in the Time of COVID-19. It was published in the online magazine The Scientist, which is well-researched by the writer Amanda Haidt who is in her second Master's in Science Communication at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Take note, The Scientist is a good online magazine that I used to research when I was still doing my capstone papers. Mm -hmm. Now let us go into a brief flashback in time. In the olden days... An infectious disease expert in the U.S. public health service by the name of Joseph Goldberger was given the responsibility in 1914 to study the Pelagra's causation. Pelagra is a skin disease with classic symptoms of dermatitis, diarrhea, dementia, and death. Ew, another death. Most of the scientists believed those times that it was due to to a germ. Okay, you germiphobes out there, that's how they think about it. However, Goldberger's theory is that Pellagra was due to a nutritional deficiency. Did you know that Joseph Goldberger, his wife, and some volunteers joined them to inject themselves the blood of Pellagra victims and an intake of a pill form containing the feces and urine of? Patients? Oh, it's in a pill form with a human feces and urine. Ew, a human guinea pig. Goldberger repeated this experimentation in other cities. And before he died of cancer in nineteen twenty nine, his research work landed him four Nobel Prize nominations. Wow. The saying here is applicable. You reap what you sow. In other famous examples, a virologist from the University of Pittsburgh named Jonas Salk who initially tested the polio vaccine to himself and his children in the year 1952 before giving it to other volunteer subjects. Yes, you heard it right, that Jonas Salk tested his original polio vaccine On both himself and his children Ahead of widespread trials Another example was from a married Russian couple Marina Voroshilova And Mikhail Chumakov. Pardon me if I did not pronounce it right They were considered polio experts And by the way My late mother's name was Marina And so Going back, they also self-administered in 1959 a potential vaccine before letting their three sons had an intake of those sugar cubes laced and with a weakened poliovirus. After a lengthy argument in what form of drug administration to give patients, they agreed on the oral intake of the vaccine using a live poliovirus. Later on in 1994, the World Health Organization declared polio disease eradicated in the western hemisphere. Now these brave researchers are willing to risk their health and health and their lives including their families for a greater good to humanity. There were bizarre examples of medical self-experimentation in the history of scientific research which gained notoriety and fame at the same time. As I mentioned before, history repeats itself, which is also happening now with the COVID-19 pandemic. In some parts of the world, researchers have offered their bodies to science to pursue a vaccine to treat an infection with SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 This current coronavirus caused deaths of more than 700,000 people or even more and severe illnesses to around 18.5 million in the world. Approximately, it's just an estimate. Now, Susan Lederer, a professor of medicine and bioethics at the University of Wisconsin, expressed with deep admiration to these researchers, saying, In History of Medicine, such as self-experimentation has certainly been a well-recognized tradition. Mm-hmm. I would ar- argue it was almost required. The fact that you would risk it on your body, on your own children, was a sign of your good faith. Yes, those are the very words of Susan Lederer, the professor of medicine and bioethics. Yes, she she's trying to describe how these researchers are risking their lives and the lives of their loved ones. Now, another notable inspiration of great self-sacrifice was the development of the yellow fever vaccine, which it was led by a team of researchers in the U.S. Army by a physician named Walter Reed upon his arrival in Cuba, at the end of the 19th century during the Spanish-American War to study the virus. History noted soldiers got sick and died. Walters Reed colleagues exposed themselves to be bitten by the same mosquitoes of those victims of yellow fever. Most of them got sick and unfortunately, Jess Lazier died later on. It paved the way for other mosquito eradication programs that reduced the number of cases. And in the year 1930, a virologist named Max Thieler from the Rockefeller Foundation developed a vaccine that he first administered to himself. And his bravery led to an important discovery leading him to be awarded a Nobel Prize in 1951. Bravo! Now, during the present day, or currently in the time of COVID-19, researchers in the United States have again begun sharing their experiences of testing their vaccines. MIT Technology Review reports that Preston Estep, a co-founder of the Citizen Science Initiative, called Rapid Deployment Vaccine Collaborative, also known as RADVAC, Developed a nasal coronavirus vaccine and joined along with 20 researchers, which includes Harvard Medical School geneticist George Church, in self-administering it. You got it? Guys, they are all self-injecting or inhaling it. You can see it on Twitter. The photo of George Church administering it in his nasal passages. Last July 2020, they shared essential details of their vaccine so others can copy and have since lost track of how many people have used it. It is for a good cause to share their secret formula to others who will make it better or improve the recipe of the vaccine. Now, in China. Last February 2020 in China, An an immunologist named Huang Jin Hai from Tianjin University had an intake of four doses of a vaccine he developed in his lab before it was tested in animals. And then, late July 2020, Gao Fu, head of the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, stated in his webinar that he had been injected with an experimental vaccine. And added, I hope it will work. Let us stop hating Chinese people, friends, because they are still doing good things. Some of them in the world today are trying to participate in mass testing and make themselves human guinea pigs. We need to respect them on how they risk their health and their lives to contribute in solving this pandemic. Now, in Moscow, a Moscow-based director of Gamaleya Research Institute, Alexander Ginsberg, was in the news. He claimed to all that he tested to a new COVID-19 vaccine on himself ahead of the start of the human clinical trials. A Kremlin spokesman named Dmitry Peskov referred to them as self-experimenting scientists. Fanatics in what they do in the best sense of the word. Let us admire friends their courage and bravery to take these risks. Now, let's go to the matter of fact. In the current times, aside from the expert virologists who have direct access to the materials needed to create new vaccines, there are so-called biohackers. They are some scientists who left academia to form independent groups as they practice applying a do-it-yourself mission in experimental with the physiological manipulation of the human body. The category of a mild biohacking is a sleep or exercise monitoring, simple as that. On the other hand, the extreme practice involves implantation of computer chips under the skin or through self-injection of a CRISPR DNA, as Josiah Zaner did in the year 2017. Zayner and another biohacker named Justine Atkin have publicly shared plans to self-administer to inject themselves with a do-it-yourself coronavirus vaccines, and write about their experiences on social media. Radvac and biohackers like Zayner and Atkin avoided the need for regulatory approval since they self-administered their mixture of the vaccine. However. There is the legal and ethical debate for subjecting themselves to a vaccine that has never been publicly approved. Yes, there's an ethics issue on that one. Now, many videos shared by the ongoing investigation of the MIT Technology Review reporter Antonio Regalado estimated about around 10 people might have already begun self administering vaccines, although it is not yet confirmed. The question now remains, is it morally right or wrong? No law forbids such practice, for it might be a success in the end, such as a Nobel Prize award. However, it is not advisable to do such heroic deeds because it is a massive gamble in one's health and life itself. Truth is, an institutional review board must approve all of the research human subjects in the US under the 1974 National Research Act, and most agencies also abide by the common rule requiring informed consent. That's right, folks, informed consent from the participants and providing extra protection for at-risk groups such as prisoners, pregnant women, children, and fetuses. Otherwise, researchers can put themselves forward as candidates for treatments just as anyone else might. The writer of this article, who I am giving credit, named Amanda Haidt, concluded that the moral and ethical views surrounding self-experimentation seem to be dictated mainly by the medical community itself, and the practice has seemingly been falling out of favor, at least among Americans. The last Nobel Prize awarded for work involving self-experimentation was only five years ago, oh, when two Yu was granted an award in developing an anti-malaria drug that she first tested on herself. Self-experimentation may be a questionable act of heroism. Going back in the history of over 200 years of medical advancement, Waze shared this parting thought. My conclusion is that, despite some unwise decisions in the past to indulge in this activity, Many self-experiments have proved invaluable medical community and to patients who are seeking to help. Therefore, rather than scorn such intrepid colleagues in their search for truth, I am inclined to salute them. Yes, folks, we have to salute their courage and bravery. The trust in medical science and vaccines in the United States is low. Only 50% of the Americans are agreeing on taking a COVID-19 vaccine once it is approved. I don't blame them. They don't know the safety of the vaccine yet that is to come. Self-experimentation is a blind reassurance of vaccine safety to the public. That is why... Gao admitted to the Associated Press by doing a self-administration is to assure the general public such confidence in vaccines, especially when social media spreads misinformation seemingly faster than the virus. Haha, There are conspiracy theories around us in social media and I will not disagree on them nor claim them to be true. I will just let you all, my online friends, to be the judge of it all. As I also remind you at the same time on this saying that goes, Where there is fire, there is always a smoke. Where there is fire, there is a smoke. Yes, you heard it. Where there is fire, there is a smoke. So, until next time, folks, we will discuss the current issues of the vaccine again. It will be on the part two of my next episode. Thank you for listening again. Stay tuned on the second part of the vaccines topic in the next episode of this pandemic podcast, Coronavirus. Be safe, everyone. And thank you!